on this episode of Quantum Week, August 14th through 20th, 1983. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and we talk about the hit movies. Hit, the hit music. Hit. <laughs> Sometimes really, our stories. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> I already bring up the old favorites. That's that's what it was. Play the hits, right? Yep. Uh, movies, music, stories, headlines, all that stuff uh, of the um, the time period that we're going over. We are in August 1983, and we're talking about Trading Places, and she's a beauty. Bye. The uh, the tubes. Yep. Welcome. Hello. Yes, we're doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are doing this again. We're just dropping it today. Yep. Uh, and uh, out of nowhere, I guess. I don't know. Here you I are. I guess, yeah. Hope you do, like it. Yeah, maybe do these once in a great while. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how today goes, and then we'll decide if we want sure. to do it again. But, no, but uh, like, yeah, seasonally, maybe. But maybe, it was good to see you. We haven't seen you. We haven't really, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, we have did it a couple of times since we Yeah, but that was show. like three weeks ago at this point. Oh, well, more than that, maybe, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe, maybe even four weeks. Yeah. We did it, like, I think we've had dinner twice, right? Yep. But I know you've been lost in your own project, so we haven't really talked a lot. I guess I would have lost my projects. Don't you think you've been really busy? I've been busy. Yeah, there's a lot of movies to see. There's a lot of movies Only to so see. Many hours a, a day, so yeah, I've exactly. been busy. It's true. Yeah. All right, yeah. but here we are dropping an episode. Yep. Do you want to get right into training places? Let's do it. Okay. Um, I um I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I give it a B. Yeah, this movie kind of stinks. You think it stinks? A little bit, yeah. It's just because the third act really kind of unravels and it's weird. <laughs> really, it's really bad. It's like, well, um, that would make sense. It's not trash. But it's, it's fun. It's just not very good. It's, it's, I was really disappointed by it. Um, you know, uh, we talked uh, in previous episodes about the my Murphy, uh, Eddie Murphy year of Renaissance, if you will. Sure. Um, and, you know, I really love Beverly Hills Cop. You weren't as high on it. No, I didn't like it as much, but, of course, Coming to America. We both loved that. Love and both that. of those are Landis movies, so yeah, I thought that we would end up loving, I would end up really enjoying this. But this is really kind of still early Landis. Like, he really peaks at the end of the 80s. Well, I mean, you could say he peaked at Animal House. I don't think he did, because I think that movie sucks. You liked it better right. than I do. I, I, yeah, I liked Animal House more than this, too, honestly. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was boring and dumb. Yeah, I didn't like it, yeah. At least the three leads... Oh, and all these supporting cats, everybody's like interesting to watch and fun to watch because you have Eddie, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. I hate when Dan Aykroyd is an asshole later on in his career. I like him when he's naive or snooty like this. Like naive as asshole? he isn't. Yeah, like I was trying to like, I don't know. Um, so it gets weird with like better off, not better off. With uh, what's the um, what's the one where he's the judge in the weird, that weird movie with oh, uh, Chevy Chase yes. and uh, all of them. That one's a weird one. And then he's an asshole in like, well, it's kind of like in Dragnet, he's an asshole. Um, I like yeah, it when he's naive he, he, or right, simple, he, right? Uh, like he is in Ghostbusters, or here where he's kind of snooty, but he's got a good heart. I like this Aykroyd better. So watching him, watching um, Eddie Murphy, who's super charismatic still here, and then of course Jamie Lee Curtis, like that's fun to watch. Yeah, you were thinking of nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble, which is the movie that kind of ruined his career. Yeah, um, he directed that, and it, it really. That was kind of the the end of him. But he had this weird thing right before that, though. He went and did like some dramatic roles. So remember, he got nominated, girl. nominated for an Oscar for Driving Miss Daisy. Right. Uh, then he did like the movie Sneakers. He did a couple other. Which I liked in Sneakers too. I he was, yeah, movie. he was fine in Sneakers. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did some like, like some more dramatic roles and then he does nothing but trouble and it's, it all kind of ended there. Yeah. Uh, pretty abruptly. Um, I will say like, so the Aykroyd stuff to me, like it didn't really land. Like I was 
really bored every time he was on screen. And I love Dan Aykroyd and SNL is amazing. Yeah. Incredible. And he, and I love him in Ghostbusters. Like you, you know, yep. uh, Dan Aykroyd was, was very good. Very good. Uh, absolutely. I, I just find that, I don't care who played it. I found that character to be really boring. Uh, like this, you know, uptight rich guy. It's not really a human being. That's the thing is like, no one behaves like that. Like no one, I don't care how blue blood you are. Like that's not a real human being. Well, well I, Eddie Murphy's playing a real human being. Yes, yes. And that's the difference. Like you're watching a cliche and then juxtaposed against a real person. And it's like, I don't really want to watch the cliche anymore. I want to spend a lot more time with Eddie Murphy. Um, or even Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Another person being a human exactly, being. Exactly. Right. Um, the other problem actually that I have with it though, is that they're, they're identifying his character, um, his character as like, as like the standard. Like, do we really want, um, what's his name? Billy Ray, uh, um, Eddie Murphy's character. Do we really want him to aspire to be Winthrop? Right. Winthorpe or whatever his name is? Yeah. Do we really want him to be that? Like that scene at the end, is that, does he have that life after this? Does Eddie Murphy go on and just have his like uh, brown, nice brownstone and have, yeah, or like just be a kind of an uptight asshole. Like the other element, like the whole, I mean, there's a lot of this that just doesn't make a lot of sense. If you like stare and look at it for a little while, like another issue I have is the two old guys, um, Don Amici and, um, Ralph Bellamy. Yeah. Um, their characters, sometimes they're really cheap. Like they give a $5 Christmas bonus. And other times they're incredibly like generous or incredible. Don't seem to care about money. They're willing to throw anything to get, you know, their bets going or whatever it is. Sure. So like, I, I think that's a really poor screenwriting. Like you can't have it both ways. These people are either cheap or they're, or they're, um, or they're very, um, Sort of giving, I don't know, but yes, don't you think sure. that, that that the uh, but they were only doing that when they were then they knew that it was going to turn into money for them because they paid what's that guy? The um, no, the guy from Paul Gleason from Paul Gleason. The Breakfast Club, yeah, right. I mean, they paid him fifty thousand dollars and one and ten thousand, right? I like the Paul Gleason character because you always knew what he was, he was always an asshole, yeah. And Paul Gleason's a great asshole, as we know from Breakfast Club, yes. Um, but with those two old guys, it's not until the end of the movie do we find out they're really assholes, like when we, when he calls Eddie Murphy's character like a racial slur. And they're both like, that's when it's like, oh shit, these guys are bad guys. They do that a couple times to the movie. They give the hard, they give the oh, end. Oh, they with, go the hard end, right. Right, at yeah. the end of the movie, and you're like, oh shit, now, but, but, they, but they're kind of teeter. Like, it's like, at some point, it's like, already right, they're kind of giving Eddie Murphy, like, they're never good guys, but we never know they're like true villains. Absolute horrible guys, particularly one, um, particularly one of them. Uh, who, yeah, who Bellamy is kind Bell- of drifts. Right. Uh, Don Amici always kind of knows he's kind of the batter guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I wish they had just either been incredibly cheap assholes the entire time, or they were maybe guys who um, were generous. That's but, actually a good point. Because why would you focus on betting? Why would you shoot yourself in the foot by killing your golden goose? Like, why would you right. even take the opportunity to put Dan Aykroyd out of business? He's the one who's making you a lot of money. It, does you do it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So that's that's not great. They said it's not great screenwriting. Um, and the Eddie Murphy character, every time he's done on screen, I felt this movie was screeching to a halt. And then I also felt like th- this movie also limited Murphy. So there's one point in the movie that was such a grand slam. It was such a great moment. Uh, it really stuck out for me. And um, Eddie Murphy is getting trained on what, basically what they do at Duke and Duke. Oh, so he's sitting at the table mm-hmm. and there's the food. Got all the food in front of him. Yep. And Ralph Bellamy's character says, um, this is pork bellies and pork bellies is bacon. You might recognize bacon from a BLT. Right. And Eddie Murphy looks directly in the camera and gives us a look like, can you believe these fucking assholes? And it's like, it's to me, I was like, it's a laugh out loud moment. Like yeah. I was dying laughing. But it was right. the only time that happens. It was the only time we they kind of let the shackles off Eddie Murphy. Like, I don't know if he did that, if that was improvised or not, but it's, it, it 
it reminded me of that scene in 48 Hours when they're at the bar and you see Eddie Murphy yes. become Eddie Murphy. He just takes over that scene. Right, because I don't, I don't like that movie either. No. Um, and, right, he takes over. We're in this, like, you could see kind of the glimmers there. And then those glimmers pay off for us in Beverly Hills Cop and in Coming to America. Oh, exactly, right. But in this movie, I felt like they kind of had him shackled up a little bit. Well, they didn't, I don't think they wanted him on the, I don't think they wanted him in the movie in the beginning. Uh, like, I don't think the director and the, I don't even know if Landis wanted him on there. Well, it was the um, first time Landis worked with him. Yeah, because I don't, I'm not sure if, I don't think 48 Hours had come out yet or it had just come out uh, when they were casting this thing. Right. And they didn't know well, it Murphy. it was supposed to be, you know, back in the day, it was supposed to be prior. I know it was prior. And, and, and Wilder. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Eddie Murphy was still very much an unknown quantity. So I think he was muzzled here. I really do think they, they didn't know what they had. They were also so, you know, the, the screenplay was so, and, and Landis to some extent, so in love with the concept. It's yeah. like, all right, we get it. They switched, but like, you know, you have to kind of get past that, but we have to see these people in situations that aren't related to the concept necessarily. And you mentioned like the Jamie Lee Curtis right. character. It's such a breath of fresh air because she doesn't, you know, she's not related to the concept directly. No, she's not. So she's her own, her own planet, her, you know, so that's a more interesting orbit than the one that's surrounding these two people that are just basically there to placate this concept. I, I don't know. I, I, I spent, uh, I, I did, and then you're right. By the time they get on that train, it's just like, Yeah, oh, the train's God. a tough one. Because none of it makes sense. The movie's way too long. That's the other thing is it is way too long. Was it not like 117 minutes? Yeah, it's almost two hours. Right, that's that's too much for a comedy. This should be 90 minutes. And Especially a comedy that's based on a concept. Like, this isn't a comedy like, you know, Royal Tenenbaums is very deep and deals with a lot exactly. of issues. This deals with one issue. They smash over the head with it, which is fine. There's plenty of comedies that do that. You know, Liar, Liar. Right. Or, I mean, go through the list. There's plenty of comedies that have one concept. But in Liar, Liar, in Liar, Liar, to, to, to your point, like, you're not asked to know the lives of a bunch of people. You're basically asked to know the life of Jim Carrey's character and to some extent his family, like his kid, a little bit. But we're asked to like know a lot of people here. They, like, they, have, to, they have to develop like five or six characters. Right? And I think that's why, so make, long. They, that's why they make Ackroyd's but character you need, such a cliche. Yeah. Because you don't have you can't, time you don't. to learn. He has no. to be this like uptight rich guy. That's the cliche of uptight rich guy. Right. And so you do, it does actually get, even though it's a two-hour movie, it's still very fast from the point where Jamie Lee Curtis meets um, Aykroyd and she falls in love with him. Like that's like super fast. It's and also, then the same thing with Eddie Murphy. Exactly. He becomes a wasp. Like in, well, in I was like, thinking Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd become like best friends. Like that's the instantly. other thing too. Right. It's like, well, that's not. Right. There has to be some sort of mistrust here. I imagine you they, think they so. deal with it very quickly, but it's, it's erased immediately. It is. The whole thing is, even though it's a, a two hour thing. Yeah, it's they a two hour movie that feels rushed. Right. Which is never a great thing. Yeah. I don't think Landis is a very good director, honestly. Well, I think he can be. I mean, coming to America is. That was his pinnacle, though. That was his peak. I don't know if there was much. Because he did Beverly Hills Cop 3. He did, uh, what did he do after this? I don't, he didn't do that much. Well, he's had, well, I mean, he had this bizarre career. So, obviously, he does Animal House. And then right before this movie, he did Twilight Zone. When, that's right. That's when Vic Morrow died. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that in this show before. Um, yeah, I'm going through his filmography now. I mean, you have Spies Like Us. Which I do like, actually. I probably like that. I haven't seen that forever, but I bet I like that more than this. I'm sorry. I keep saying he did Beverly Hills Cop. He didn't do Beverly Hills I thought Cop. he did three. He did he Beverly did Hills Cop. Three. He, didn't yeah. do, he didn't do part one. He didn't one. do the first one. Um, who did that? How do I keep saying that? I don't remember who. Because uh, that, that's did. a fantastic movie. Um, I know you didn't love it as much as I did, but. That oh, was I thought fun. it was good. I, I think I gave it like a B plus or something. You, you liked it more than I did. I liked uh, Lethal Weapon more than I liked uh, more than I liked that. For some reason, I don't know. Martin Brest. I should have known that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Of course, yeah. Um, that's a really well done movie. Um, yeah. So his career is odd. Like you said, he does, um, he does Spies Like Us, Three Amigos, which is- I actually like Three Amigos, okay. but it's I haven't fun, seen it yeah. forever. Um, he does Coming to America. 
And he follows that up three years later with Oscar with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and then- Which is an absolutely <laughs> it's terrible movie. It's yeah. a total train wreck. Um, and then he does um, a movie called Innocent Blood, which I have no recollection of at all. That's a, that's a vampire film. Um, oh, it, it's a- um, Oh, that's why. It's a, it's a French- Right. Oh, no, no, it's not. I'm, I lied. I'm sorry. It's not. Oh, I'm sorry. It was called- It, it was known in some areas as a French vampire in America. Because yeah, he, he did American Werewolf in London, of course. But it stars like Robert Loja, Anthony Opalga, Don Rickles. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He made $5 million. I didn't see it. Um, and then he follows it up with Beverly Hills Cop 3, right. which it sounds like it was a disaster on set. Eddie Murphy and him were, were not speaking at the time. And, I mean, it didn't make that much money. Um, it cost $70 million to make, and they, probably domestic, they might have broken even. They might have lost money on that, actually, after, uh, after advertising. I think it brought worldwide something like $100 million. That wasn't, that didn't do well for them. No, it didn't. Um, and then two years later, he has the stupids with Tom Arnold. I mean, which I may have seen that. It sounds kind of familiar. But, but, right. I mean, but, but that's, his, but that's like bullshit. Over, bullshit like, he's not yeah. really doing anything. Right. Coming um, to America and then gone. Yeah, and so, that's his best one. I think it's super good. Yeah. Coming to America. I agree. Oh, I agree. It's his best movie. I, I, I like animal house more than you. Yeah. Um, he did American Werewolf in London, which I thought was interesting, but I haven't seen it in forever. I, I mean, we saw it as long as a kid. Um, it was all over HBO. It yeah. Show. I don't know. Uh, probably an overrated career. Um, I think so. I mean, I, I, I had him directing Beverly Hills Cop 1, so definitely overrated in my mind. Uh, he did, oh, he did The Blues Brothers, which we've covered on the show. Which I didn't like either. It's better directed than this. Probably. It was. It was well-directed at times. Probably, yeah. Some of those... Um, yeah, but I like this much better, honestly, because I like watching these guys do their thing. Well, I like Blues Brothers better than this. Do you really? Yeah. And I, didn't, uh, I, didn't I don't like, like the this. character. I don't like... And, and I'm, not a big, I'm not a big John Belushi guy. I, I just don't think he's... I don't like him. He's not, he's not my style. Well, you know, that's... Big Jim Belushi guy, actually. In this one, of course. It actually makes, I, I, I believe <laughs> right. that. It makes sense. Um, was, he was a breath of fresh air seeing him as the gorilla. Oh, it's great. What, what, a, what an amazing what a, scene that was. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, this is Aykroyd's um, second film without Belushi. Uh, so, you know, his career was in kind of a bizarre spot right now um, when this movie comes out. He really build. needed a hit here. Yeah. And obviously he follows up with Ghostbusters. So, um, you know, that probably would have been a hit regardless, but, um, well, and this made, this made a lot of money. This was a hit. This yeah, was a big hit. Totally. Um, so to have this, you know, in your resume, um, was a big boost for Ackward, who was definitely in a weird career spot. Um, this is, the, this is only the, you know, the movie before this, let me see what that, what that was here. Um, that's, it was, excuse me, Dr. Detroit. No Howard, idea what that with is. With Howard Hesman. It was on HBO a lot when we were, when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. I guess um, I can't, I can't picture it. And, um, he top lined that and it didn't do well. No. So, you know, and he had done a couple movies with Bushi before this that also didn't do very well, a movie called Neighbors. Um, and yeah. he, he was kind of in a, in a rough spot. So when this broke out, and it really helped having Eddie Murphy, I don't think Dan Aykroyd and, um, I'm trying to think of even who would be a, a comparison. Uh, someone who people, Eddie Murphy at that point was such an exciting actor. He'd just done 48 Hours. He was the biggest thing on SNL. Like he was an electric presence yeah. um, at this time in history. So I think, I'm guessing a big reason movie succeeded wasn't necessarily because of Aykroyd, it but probably really was not. Murphy. Yeah, even though he headlined, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly wasn't Curtis who'd just done, who was a scream queen. She just did Halloween. Yeah, this is her first time doing a comedy. Right. Um, and, and this kind of changed her career. I mean, from this, she goes on and does Fish Called Wanda. She does. And, um, you know, she marries Christopher Guest. So uh, her career definitely goes in a different and direction. And True Lies was, uh, yeah, was a big hit had too. a lot of comedic stuff. Do you think she underachieved in her career? I think so. I think she's more talented than... Uh, than the roles that she got. I think she's very good in Fish Called Wanda. She's very good in True Lies. I think she's good here. Yeah, she's good. Um, yeah, I guess. I, 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 never, I'm, I never really love her screen presence. I'm never a huge Jamie Curtis fan. Mm. 
Like, I don't think she's particularly attractive. Oh, I think she's super beautiful. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird yeah. block, I guess, I have there. But yeah, I don't think she's particularly- Not with the wig. When she takes a wig off, it's like, okay, there we go. And I'm a, I like long hair better, but the wig yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm like, yeah, she's good in Halloween. She's a good actress for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm never like, and she's really funny in True Guys. I think that's probably her best performance. Um, probably. She's good at Fish Call Wanda too, though. I haven't seen that in forever. But yeah, she's yeah. really good. I, I don't know. I think that she underachieved. But she's good in this. She and she's, you know, she's really natural in this movie, which is great because Aykroyd's character is not, and some of the other characters are not. They're like, they're not human beings. So to have someone just like be like, hey, this is who I am. Um, it's kind of a ridiculous premise, but I'm just going to be as casual with this as I can be. It was nice to see. I thought that she was good. The scene in the train, we probably should talk about this. Okay, so that whole the whole third act is ridiculous. Like, just, okay, we can talk about that because of the racial stuff. Is that what you want to say? It's wild. <laughs> you do. It's wild. Nothing that would you would any anybody would get away with now. In fact, I don't know that has he gotten a lot of blowback for so uh so Ackroyd's in blackface. He's playing a Jamaican. It's weird that character. you're doing this show in blackface. Is that a tribute to him? Or? It is. Yes, <laughs> I, I figured. I figured. Why not? Uh, we're only going to do a few of these <laughs> from now on. What do we have to lose? What do I have to lose? Right. right. <laughs> no, but I mean to see. Oh, I mean, all kidding aside, to see you know someone in blackface in in a major film. Yeah, is wild. It's a different time back then. I get it. And I, I understand all those but things. But he's never, I don't think he's really gotten any blowback for that. Is it because and he's he with any- he probably shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. No. I mean, it was just a different time. Now, if he does this, if he did the same, the same movie happens this year and someone's like, that's really shitty. Like, what are you doing? Don't do that. But I mean, all right. I think it was just, it was just a different place. And, and he's I, with Eddie Murphy. I read a couple like think pieces about it. Cause I was really, con and some people are like, there is some blowback of it among like, I haven't seen it anywhere near like the other, like, modern, other, like even, even Howard Stern or, you know, a modern lot film criticisms. Okay. There, there's some people who write about it and like, Oh, you know, it's accepted because Eddie Murphy basically gave the okay. Cause it's kind of one of his, it's one of his schemes. Yeah. So in theory it was okay. It's also like, I don't know, ridiculous. I'm glad they call it out because like, he doesn't look like a black person. No, it's he like, doesn't. Paul Gleason would but, be like, like, unless he, was an idiot. He would be able to see past that but in three seconds. I think they were doing that. Obviously, Landis was doing it on person uh, on, on purpose because none of them made sense. Do you think that that Jamie Lee Curtis is some Austrian Swede hybrid? Like none of this made sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Murphy's just speaking gibber like gibberish. It's like yeah. It's a weird. It's the whole thing's very strange. And I know like they're just doing it for laughs. So I guess they're not really caring about logic. But I think you have to have some law. Like you can't. I don't, know, I don't think you can make like a social statement like they're trying to make this movie and then just completely take logic out the That's window. That's actually a good point. You are making a social, the whole thing is a social statement and then, and and then, then also what, like what are we doing ridiculous, here? Ridiculous, like right. stupid comedy. But I got to say, I do really like it when Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy embrace and they dance together and sing together. I think it, it makes me laugh every time I see it. I, got, I, I don't know why. They're, they're, like, they're very charming together. Yeah, I, I don't. You didn't laugh at all in the train stuff. No, no. I was just kind of like, <laughs> what, is what the fuck am I watching? This is awful. <laughs> this is really bad. Yeah. No, I, I laughed when I said that, seeing Eddie Murphy like looks right in the camera and gives that face. Like, can you believe these assholes? That's kind of how I felt watching this. I'm like, can you this, is, this movie is stupid. Like, this is really dumb. So you're not going to, what are you going to create this as? C minus. Oh, that's too low. You're no, not going to recommend this movie? No. No, no, I cannot recommend this movie. No. B, I recommend it. All right. I like seeing I'm, everybody. I'm sure most people will look at this fondly and like it. But I think if, you know, it's fine. You can disagree with me. I just recommend like watching it again though. Like give it a, a chance. Don't think of it from how it was when you were a kid in the eighties. Like watch it now. It, like it's, it's But Randolph stupid. and Mortimer are so iconic because they became the Muppets and, and it's just- when, the Muppets. That was before that. No, no, no. I yes, thought they were. Man. I thought they were uh, no, Muppet, based Muppet on Muppets were being canceled by the time this movie came out. Really? Yes. 
The Muppet, the wait, The Muppet Show? The Muppet Show was already off the air by the time this movie came I out. thought they were based on, no. uh, they weren't. No. But they're, it's perfect. They are, the, that's who they well, are. There's two old guys. I, I disagree that they're like The Muppet guys. Two old Again, guys. A and B is not. You disagree? You don't think they're very similar? No. Do you think they were based on The Muppets? Uh, that's, I guess, more likely, but I also, no, I do not think they were best. I think they're so iconic. I mean, it's two, like old, the, two rich old guys. They, two, just wanted, they, didn't, they didn't want to be one villain. They wanted someone to play off of. I think that's the whole reason. Maybe that's guys. what it is. Yeah, yeah, I think they were just there. Because you have two good guys. Do you want to have two villains? I think it's kind of the mentality. You didn't like them, though? You didn't like watching them on screen? I thought they were No, I didn't because I felt like they were really inconsistent. Like I said, at times they were generous. At times they were really thrifty. I don't at see. At times they I, were kind of good. At times they were kind of bad. I'm like, pushing back on, on this. Uh, this thr- I, I think that point was, was not, not good at all. They're only generous when they're trying to make money. That's the only time. Maybe they generous pay, isn't the right word. When's but, another time but, um, that they, they give? Uh, they give they don't care face? about money sometimes. When they're trying to get the crop reports to make themselves three hundred and forty million dollars, that's the only time they're generous. When when other time they're just no, they, they no, will, like you said, they they're willing to risk their you know Ackroyd, who's a who's a yeah, that's a crazy money maker. They're just throwing them in the street for this one dollar bet. It's I know, so stupid. I guess I sort of suspended uh, my. Uh, you have to do a lot of that watching this movie. A little bit with this part, but only because I'm like, well, they're so rich they don't care. They but don't that's care the case why you get five dollar Christmas bonuses exactly and yeah. alienate your staff. So like they're stupid, well, but they don't but even look stupid. See, though. the thing is, but that's because they're so snooty and stuck up. They don't even. So you see the dichotomy. I like how this this movie opens because you see um, the credit sequence. Yeah, when you see like you hear Mozart and yeah. and you see you see the difference between Dan Aykroyd's life because we're seeing like total opulence with with Dan Aykroyd's life. He's got a butler. He's like he has a very his suits picked out from. It's an opulent life, and then we see the Duke brothers. And it's like a castle and it's crazy. Um, but if you notice, like uh, Dan Eckward, he's like, he's talking to people. He's, he's saying hello to the people. Well, not really. He's like a but robot. He, more so than, but the Dukes don't say anything. They don't look at anybody. They don't, they don't even say good morning at all. They're, they completely do not give a shit about anybody oh, else. He says good morning. Even that was weird. Like no human being would act like that. You walk through the lobby, you just say good morning like a robot. Like it's, it was very strange. Yeah, but he was still talking. There was a different level with the Dukes who don't I care guess. about anybody at all. But it doesn't make sense that they were willing to risk $340 million of their, of, you know, over this crop report. Like to put all your eggs in the basket on this crop report, no one would get, that big in business by making that type of risk. Right. That's eventually, eventually you yeah. would make the wrong bet. Exactly. And yeah. they did. And then we see in. Yeah. The whole thing, it's just stupid. And I said, maybe in the moment you can just kind of shut your brain off and enjoy it, but that's not really how I enjoy comedies. Like, I, I, I that's well, not you're a thinking I like. man's movie going. Like, you got this thing, you're going to a movie every day, you're very scrutinous. I just wanted to sit back and have a good time with Trading Places. Right. Well, you're, you're a simple guy. I'm a we've, simple we've guy. We've established that in the show. <laughs> yes, you know, we have. Confused easily. Anyway, yeah. listen, listen to a little Bob McFerrin and then you set your brain that's off it. and watch a dumb movie. That's, that's right. No, I, that's I was really disappointed with this. I, I, uh, that's too bad. Part of my disappointment was because I, I'm stupid and I thought John Lannister at the Beverly Hills Cop won. So <laughs> uh, I had that in my brain for some reason. But um, uh, no, I, I, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I, I, was, I was really disappointed. I expected a lot more from this movie. What did Gleason do so wrong that he had to end up as like the love slave bitch of a fucking gorilla? Well, he was an asshole the whole time. Like he throws. He was an asshole, but he didn't do anything bad. He was he was kind of a dick. Like he he was a dick. Like someone wanted to pay phone, and he told him to fuck off. It's pretty <laughs> yeah, funny. No, I, I, I wish nice I wish lady. the Duke brothers were just complete villains the entire like just complete assholes the entire time. I would have really enjoyed that more. I think it would have been fun seeing totally rich assholes. You think so? Yeah, it would have been more fun than what but we you, saw. You you normally like a more two or three dimensional. Character, you don't like a one-dimensional character so much. Um, I think in a comedy like this, you kind of need you need some. I don't know. I it wasn't. This isn't too. I didn't feel like there were a lot of laughs in this. I 
I know I'm sure some people are, you know, pounding their steering wheel or hearing that, but I, I wasn't laughing a lot during this. You weren't? I really wasn't. I'd smile. I smiled. Like, what was funny to you? Like, laugh out loud funny? Yeah, like I mentioned the thing when he's uh, like, I don't know if it was laugh out loud. I just really thought funny. it was entertaining. It's very rare that I laugh out loud. Right. You know, well, you're, you're a humorless person, so I, it's probably why. <laughs> you make me laugh, though. You're, you're laughing a very right now. good yeah. job. You're a very yeah. funny guy. Well, yeah. yeah sure. But uh, no, I, I generally don't laugh out loud a lot at movies. I mean, it has to be a. Mm. A very, very funny movie. But uh, no, I, I was entertained though. I liked seeing the relationships between these people. I liked seeing them on character. I, I, or sorry, on, on screen. I thought they were, they were charming most of the time. Yeah. What else do you want me to say? I, I give it a B. It's not like high praise. Right. You're like a... Well, I think, I think people will agree with you. I think I'm going to be in a minority here. So yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I expect... I mean, you're a snooty moviegoer. You'd think you'd like these snooty wasps. I mean, you, you didn't like Animal House. That's a shitty movie, and you know it. You see, goddamn this well is know like, it. See, I think we, we flip on that, because I, I think I give Animal House a B. The problem is just, it's, it's the Belushi factor. I just don't like him. I don't think he's, he's good. He's barely in that I, movie. He's I in that movie for like 10 minutes. I don't think he's that good. In that lunch thing where he's like, a food grab fight? And slop and you know, food fight? I mean, who cares? It's just, I think it's simple. Simple comedy. Mm. I like a little bit more in-depth comedy. Yeah, like this? Like a yes. Trading places? <laughs> Bunch uh-huh. of cliches walking around. Yes, uh, I, 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 it is. It is really interesting to watch this though, and you see, you know, oh, you, and Penelope, see- she's good too. When she spritzes the guy in the jail cell who's leaning against oh, her, Ackroyd's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah she's so, super good. So she's beautiful. She is beautiful. I, I never. I'm like, I, how come I, we haven't seen her do more things? And she's only was in two movies. She was in this and, and uh, Manhunter. Yeah. Um, that's and right. that's it. I guess she was a model. She was. And then she married some doctor, and then that was it. But yeah, I mean, I think she could have done a lot more. She's she's pretty funny in this. She's stunningly Kristen Holby. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful woman. And uh, yeah. I'm like, why was she not in a bunch of movies? In the and 80s? she she does a very good job as a snooty. She girlfriend. does. I yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it is interesting in this movie though to see comedy shift because you know in the 70s the coolest people in comedy were Aykroyd and Belushi. Um, and then. By the time this movie rolls around, it's 83. We're not that far removed. You know, Ackroyd's last season was 79 SNL. So in four years, you see that Ackroyd is not cool at all. No. And he never is cool again the rest of his career. No. And Eddie Murphy is like electric and cool. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just funny how the window for comedy is so short. We talk about that a lot in the show, but how, it, you know, you have a very, very, very small window. And it happened with Murphy by, you know, by after coming to America, Murphy's never really cool again. Do you think it's just because you need to know the cultural references of the kids? In order to be cool? No, and as, as lame as what you just described. It's not lame at I mean, all. The way just you described like, it was lame. Well, culture change, I mean, the right. things that we care about. Are no, I don't think so. I think, I think um, people can tire of comedy pretty quick. Like, I think you need to like, constantly be innovating. Like, we'll go like Will Ferrell. That, wait, wait, do you think that the, the people watching them tire of seeing, seeing their type of comedy? It just yeah, gets I, think, old. I think the joke gets old. Okay. Um, and I think that can happen. And so can the people telling the joke sometimes. So it's hard yeah. to have like a long lasting career. And even people we've seen comedians have long careers like Bill Murray, it's because they've reinvented themselves. That's they've true. done different things. Yeah. Even Ackroyd, his credit, did reinvent himself. He becomes a dramatic actor in the late 80s, early 90s. And it works for a little bit. It a gives him a bit. couple years extra length. Yeah. Um, but then, it, you know, by, by the mid-90s, he's uh, a priest in a, um, or he's a pastor in an ABC sitcom. So, oh, like, it doesn't, right. it doesn't really last. No. You, know, no. you, you know, the window is very short. Unless you're a genius like Bill Murray or, you know, even like Bill Cosby, I know his situation, obviously. But um, Bill Cosby's a stand-up comic in the yep. 60s, right? He does I Spy. Yep. You know, it's, a, it's a drama there. And then he becomes like- um, America's dad and the Cosby uh, show. Like, right, like a yeah. sitcom dad. Right. Like those are different stages of his they career. And, and even in the sense. 70s, he did some, he was in a Neil Simon 
like dra- dramedy, I think called California Sweet. I saw when I was a kid. Like he was kind of like finding his way. Yeah. He was still, you know, the nice thing about stand-up is it can kind of keep you in the zeitgeist a little bit. Like, you know, Chris Rock obviously is all in the news right now, right? Oh, and yes. like Chris Rock's film career is no, he's like know, not that great anymore, right? He's like a buddy in an Adam Sandler film. Yeah, at best yeah. now, where he was top lining movies about 10 years ago, but even those movies weren't huge hits. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But he, you know, he's definitely his film career is, is on the descent, or at least it was until this week. Um, but he's still a hugely talented in-demand stand-up. Yes. So if you ha- if you can do stand-up, like you can make your career last a lot longer. But um well, especially it, now with streaming, you can have like uh you can you can have a special or course. something and do that, right? But like even back in the 80s, but Dan Aykroyd wasn't a stand-up. So like eventually, like we you know you get like I said, it happened to Will Farrell too. Will Farrell's on a stand-up. And and these guys can be super talented, can be great in SNL, can can top line comedies at the biggest hits of their decade. But once that decade's over, it's just kind of over for them. Well, it really happened with Murphy too. I mean, it does. It happens you know. at the end of the '80s. Eddie Murphy's done. Right, pretty much. Yeah, really kids' is. movies. I mean, I know he does the family stuff, and then he, you know, well, right, Shrek and all that he, stuff. He, but but that's not made for an Oscar for Dreamgirls. But he's no longer cool. He's anymore. no longer cool. No, no. And he was the coolest. Right. Yeah. It it, it closes. It, the windows close. I mean, um, and that, well, now nobody makes comedies anymore in Hollywood. So no, they can't, can't. can't do it. There's no comedians <laughs> to be cool or uncool anymore. So I don't know if that's ever going to come back. But. No. I mean, the thing too is I know, and and this is part. You know, well, Chappelle I, maybe is the only one, but not on not, on but not just a, because not of his films, right, right? Right. I was thinking about this watching it. I was like, all right, so obviously the blackface stuff is, isn't great in retrospect, but it's like, well, this is exactly why people don't make comedies anymore, and obviously people shouldn't be in blackface. But it's like if you make any risks or take any chances, ten years from now you're screwed. Even well, now in this in this world, six months from now you're probably screwed. Um, where everyone's so cancel culture, but um, ten years from now, Christ, you, you know, you get you know, have to. Was Bury Tropic a movie in a backyard and never talk of it again? Was Tropic Thunder the last one? No, I mean they were no, I mean the last one in blackface. No, the last, that's what I mean. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Last, blackface, right. yes. And even that was was probably pushing it, um, but it was just such a clever comedy. It was and, and so well performed. But I mean, when's the last comedies to take chances? We haven't seen a comedy take chances since the two thousand, like the first decade. I know. Well, we just did. Uh, what was the kids movie that we did? Uh, yeah, Good Boys. Yeah, Good Boys. But that wasn't even that risky. It was no, relatively and, funny. And that's but... about as risky as you can get in yeah. the, in the last fifty, you know, twelve years in comedy. Um, yeah, comedy's in a real physical comedy. Right I now. guess is the only thing, right? Because you have Jackass. Well, Jackass because those guys are so smart and they did stuff that was controversial when it came out in two, you know, the year two thousand, right? Whatever. But um, now it's just guys having fun and they, they create a comedy that is uncancelable basically because they're not, they're just having fun and point pranks. Right. And, they do, and they're also smart. They don't do pranks that um, go after anyone. They're just hurting themselves. And, they're just hurting themselves. And they do it in a really clever way. Like I think someone could look at that from face value with those jackass guys. Oh, well, it's stupid. It's like, actually, it's really smart. They're really clever. They're really creative. They, they push themselves to the limit. They're giving you entertainment you can't find anywhere else. And they're doing it in a way that is, like in this society, uncancelable. I think you actually and made they do a, it in the cheap. I think you made a really good point, actually. Um, I don't know if you know it, but uh, but like, but but making fun of yourself is kind of the next frontier that would be okay. Like you can you could destroy yourself in comedy. It's the only person you can make fun of it. That's, well, that's, you that's know, it. And, and you, I guess, I can make fun of you. But you know, right. what? Well, There's yeah, nothing to make fun of. What are you talking fun, about? You, no, I mean, you can, well, in this society, you can make fun of you know, like in theory, like white white guys, yeah, straight but white guys. But that doesn't. That's not gonna have legs forever, though. No, but you could. But what could still be really funny is making fun of yourself, like just kicking the shit out of yourself. Yeah, but who yeah. wants to do that? Who wants to be well, the bad I mean, guy? I think the people have done, I mean, Joan Rivers, uh, you know, Phyllis Diller. I mean, you go back all, you know, beginning of time, they, they were doing that. Sure. Um, yeah. Dan, uh, Rodney, of course. But, oh yeah, of course. But like, but that's the only thing that's still safe. I guess. I mean, even, you know, certain topic, I mean, but you can, I know that it's, that might work in a standup. It's going to be hard to do in a movie. It is. Um, so, 
yeah, movie comedies are in a really bad spot right now. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know what the next, what the next step is. This is the best you're going to get here is a uh, training places. I would hope, but you know, this movie's not <laughs> good at all. No, I see uh, minus thumbs down. Yeah. Disappointing. That's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else with, uh, nope. with this one? I guess we can, uh, move on to she's a beauty. I thought Landis directed over those cop one. I'm still kicking myself over that. What an idiot. See, the difference between me and you is I won't kick the shit out of you for simple mistakes like that, where you're super critical of my simple mistakes. Yeah. I just, it's my mistake. What are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. If I made a little mistake like that, right. you'd come right after me. But no, I, I just let but it I come go. out of myself too, though. You should. I just you, should, did. you should just beat the shit out I, of yourself. I am. I'm really upset myself. Breast, dude. Martin Breast. Yeah, but you didn't know he is. No, I didn't. That, that, did he do, what else has he done? I don't even... Uh, he, didn't he do Scent of a Woman? Oh, my God. Well, no wonder. <laughs> what a shit movie. I feel like he's done... We've covered one of his movies, haven't we? Besides, I don't know, because we um, haven't done that one. And, uh, no, we haven't done that one. Like, what a no-name director. No, that's no, no, very no, no. strange. I think he had an underrated career. Let's see. Maybe Let's he see did. Right because that, that's like a, that is surprising that some sort of no, that some num, uh, no-name would have done that movie. It's such an iconic movie. Midnight Run, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah, Martin Breast. And Bruce. a woman, meet Joe Black. And then he finishes it off with Julie. <laughs> Which I've never seen, actually. And that's, and that's, I know it's, you know, people will- some I've people never think, seen it either. People, some people will say it's the worst. It's not. It's some probably not Battlefield. It's probably, one of the worst movies ever made. But it's no, probably Meet Joe Black is really interestingly directed. It is an interesting, yes, um, and an interesting movie. But yeah, look at, he only, he only um, oh, directed geez. two, because actually we made, Brad we made, Pitt I made hit fun by of car. you for this in the, in the, um, the Hills Cop episode, you thought that he directed Fast Times Richmond High because he was in it. Martin Brest was in it? Yeah, he had a small part in it. And you thought uh, he directed it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I yelled, you might as well, I yelled at you on air about too. it. But now I just made the same mistake that he directed Hills yeah. Cop, which yeah. is just so as stupid. Would you so. like to go back in time and fucking kick your own ass for making fun of me for that? No, no, I, I think like you're that. stupid, now I'm stupid, but we've proven now doing this show. So. Perfect. All right. Uh, so She's a Beauty by the Tubes. Yeah. This is 100 this week. It's sort of a strange uh, situation that we're covering the 100th song on the Hot 100 here, I guess. We also haven't done a show in months, and this is the last show we'll do for months, so it's a strange situation. What do you mean months? <laughs> we, could be, we could do one a couple months, weeks from now. Months. Do you think it'll be months? Yeah, it'll be months. Oh, I don't know if I have the strength. I go to the movies every day. I don't know. It's <laughs> very busy. <laughs> yes, you are busy. Um, no, but this was, a, this was a sponsored week is why we're doing it. What now? This is a sponsored week. Yes, we, it, there is. Was, it was a chosen week. Right, right, right. That's why we're doing it, and they wanted us to do the- Yeah, it's uh, fine. I, don't even I just wanted to say- Nice thing we do no. these shows every every few months. We don't, we don't even need to explain why we do. We just, oh, just do it. That's not, well, okay, fine. Well, I think people will look and be like, "Well, no." Some critical people well, will look is, and this say, "This is not number one, one either." This movie was number nine. I didn't even look at that. But you're the movie guy. You're the, you're the one who's supposed to call that well, out. Yeah, because I think Easy Money was going to be in there, but then we ended up doing this right. instead. That's so. right. That's right. So it's, this it's, is hundred, and it's by the tubes. Right. It does get to number ten eventually. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, before this, this is the end of the run. In fact, um, so both these things were actually more popular in June of '83. That's right, August. So imagine <laughs> you're right. in June, if you will. Imagine uh, we're in August, but uh, but this is like it was number 79 the week before. It's the number 100, so this is a pretty precipitous drop from the uh, from the Hot 100. But it did hit number 10. I I have like I'm probably remembering this wrong. I remember this from a movie, but I don't know what it was. And I was trying to find what movie this was in and it didn't say it in Wikipedia. I couldn't find it. Sat, like I was searching soundtrack. Do you remember this from a movie too? No. I feel like it was in, it wasn't in Mannequin, but it was in like one of those movies. Maybe. But maybe, but 
no one. This good, is kind good of thing to bring up. Songs. This is good. We're off to a good start. With I was this one. asking you if maybe you had run into something. If you did, I know you good don't content. do any research for the music part of the show, but I was just hoping that maybe you run into something. Martin Brest directed a Earthless <laughs> Cup one. Some research I've done for the show somewhere. I'm busy. I go to the movies every day. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but it's kind of a. The problem is the tubes. Um, did you look into the career at all the, of the tubes? Yeah, bizarre. Very bizarre. So they're, uh, they're like an amalgamation band of these two bands that came from Phoenix, both went to uh, San Francisco, reshuffled, got together and became the tubes in the early 70s, like 1972 or 73 or something. And they like, they were like this, it was a very, did you listen to any of the songs from like their first couple albums? It's very strange. It's like sort of glam. I didn't like anything they did. Okay. There's some, I actually like their earlier career better than this. All right. Some like glam kind of meets Ziggy Stardust. Is that Ziggy Stardust? Yeah. yeah. Kind of a little David, a little bit of Almond influence, sort of like jam glam, very weird ensemble uh, who, who were very known, were known basically for their, their, um, their live shows, which were intricate and weird. And they dress up. So a little like Genesis, a little like, yes, very strange career. And then, they basically like hire some guy to make a pop record, which is this one, and it gets them charting on on top ten. This, this is like their sellout album. We're running into the tubes sellout al- sellout mm. album, and this is not a good song. No, this could be done by like Richard Marks. Well, he ends up going and works with Richard Marks, the the uh, lead singer. Does he really? I think it's the lead singer uh, ends up writing songs for Richard Marks. Well, it makes complete it, it, sense. It has a similar sound, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This could be, I was thinking, right, there's a, a there's that, uh, I was trying to, I can't remember the name of the song, but there's a, there's a Richard Mark song that's like, it's almost like Dead on Balls. This. Well, the other common thread is a little man by, named uh, David Foster. David Foster. He's a little man? Well, little man we like to call, and little man in the industry we like to call David Foster, mm-hmm. who did St. Elmo's Fire. Right. I think he's short, yeah. All right. I don't you're know hoping it, you have no idea. I have no you idea. just realized you said something stupid, So now you're trying to make him a little person. Yeah, I don't feel that way about him. Okay. He's, he's, he's a giant in the industry, so that, that was the joke. <laughs> oh, you called him. You're the one that's Produced by David Foster, who uh, produced Hard to Say I'm Sorry, an inspiration by Chicago. Saying Elmo's Fire. Worked with Diane Warren. Like, he's, we've covered him before because he also did, do you remember this? He did the, um, the score and the soundtrack for um, Secret of My Success. Oh, all right. Yeah. So this guy is hired, brought in to write, to basically co-write a hit song, and they do. So they totally sell out on this one. Mm. Richard Marks. Yeah. Um, Unbreak My Heart. That's him. That's David Foster. Um, so anyway, that's, that's why this is a radio hit in Poppy. Yeah. I mean, the video also was played a lot on MTV. It was on all the time, yeah. and it's a very strange video. It is. So <sighs> they wrote this song because they're walking through the tenderloin of San Francisco, and they see a peep show for a dollar. They walk up to the peep show. Put in a dollar in. Well, they being the lead singers, the lead guy, singer, it was just so him. It was just by himself. He said he claimed he was going to Macy's. I guess he was going to where Macy's. Oh, like buy a. Like he's like, a he's like I wasn't set? going into these shops. I was just going to buy Macy's. I happened to walk by and put a dollar in. It's like all right, I don't know if I believe that, but sure. Yeah. So he goes up. He puts the uh, dollar in the thing, and uh, the the window opens, and the woman is dressed, and she starts undressing. It basically like coming on to him, saying, "You should come inside. It's a strip club or whatever." And I guess it, the window closes before right. she takes all her clothes off yeah. and says, you need to put another dollar. So he does or whatever. And tries to convince her to be a dancer for the band. Yeah, I love it. That's <laughs> like, what? There's a couple instances where the ego of, the, of this guy is pretty wild. So um, he, right, he's like, you can be a dancer on the tube, in the tubes. You don't need to do this. 
Are you trying <laughs> to like, like right? Like, you, could, you could be objectified in front of uh, fifty thousand people as opposed to just one for a dollar. But wow. um, but yeah, like it, like the allure of being a dancer for the tubes is that great. The other instance where the ego is bizarre is that they were asked to do SNL, the first season of SNL. I just see that. Um, they're like, well, we do it, but we need to do like four songs in a row. So right. You can see how well we integrate our songs. Are and, you kidding me? like, no. How we, how we transition between songs. Like, do you, do you know what we do on Saturday Night Live? Like, we don't do that. Well, like, I mean, it was the first season of SNL. So yeah, but they still. they didn't know what they did. But like, still, like, it's still a national Yeah, you're on national audience. They shot and, like, the themselves were the not foot. a big deal in 1976. They, they did a porn instead? They did. They were like the featured band and uh, a band in some sort. Of, oh, it's a full length porno film. You'll, hopefully, you'll be seeing one uh, mm. when the Mets I go might, I might, uh, I might, yeah. uh, seventy nine and uh, eighty three or whatever it is mm. this year. Um, right, right, full length. He was. They were the featured band in this porn. They did that, but they wouldn't go on Saturday Night Live in front of a national t- uh, national TV. So weird. It was very weird. I, I don't understand what their trajectory was. They also fought, like, there was a lot of infighting and 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 struggle within the band. But but then they finally sell out with this fucking song. Like, this the, is not you know a good the, song. The boy was in the song? I do. Yeah. You want to tell us? Something? Oh, it was Alexis Arquette. Right. Who you might know from um, Wedding Singer played the uh, boy sorry, George. Boy George That's uh, right. character. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but only a 13 year old kid. But I guess kind of a weird role for a 13 year old. That's weird right? because like, least- honestly, like. This like this lady's lap and it's a carnival ride, right? It's like this peep show carnival ride, right? And there's titties everywhere. Like there's the did you see that the 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 bass drums were two breasts with like nipples and they sort of blurred they it out. They crashed through a paper breast. They crashed through a paper breast. But apparently the uh, MTV and some other like the record company were so like pissed about it that they had to sort of blur it out. So it just looks like this blob with kind of a nipple. It's a very weird. Why very even do that in the first place? Just fucking edit that weird. shit out. It's a weird. So there's titties everywhere. And on the bass, it's a double, it's a double kick drum. So it's two bass drums. So there's two honkers right there for him. And yeah, this kid's like the the lead singer is like teaching the kid about sex. He's a 13 year old kid, like with a hooker on him. It's very, very weird. It's a very strange video. Very strange. Yeah. But it's him, and of course he's the brother of Patricia Arquette. Right. And do you know the reason why he got this gig? No. Because Toto is all over this fucking song. Not only is this written by like a like an outside guy, you have like fifty people on this fucking song. You have all of Toto is on the song Explains except for a lot, of actually Jeff Porcaro, of course. The yeah, Steve Lukather, Steve, Por- yeah. uh, Steve Porcaro, and and uh, Steve Page are all are all over this record. Mm-hmm. Lukather, the guitar player from Toto, uh, produced this too, co-produced it. But because of that, Narquette, you know, which are, of course. Um, Rosanna, the song which we covered, of course, one of the best songs ever ever wow. recorded, was was written for Rosanna Arquette, and so because of that connection, you have uh, the young brother Arquette. Kind of a corny song, Rob? if you think about it, if you look back on it now, you're probably more on my side. Rosanna knows a beautiful corny, song. Yeah. I love that. Song. What do you mean? That, I've known that song my entire life. I love right. that song. It's yeah, yeah, a, it's yeah, an amazing yeah. song. Right, right. You're wrong about that. Right. I mean, right. You and your Jack Johnson fucking love. I, I are don't wrong love about Jack that song. Yeah, I know you See, do. I can, yeah. I can. No, I don't. I don't love Jack Johnson. Banana pan. Cakes and did, 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 See, I can did, admit the song that that's a little corny. You can't you can't admit that Roseanne is corny. It's because there's nothing corny about no, Roseanne. Nothing at all. Oh, this is an amazing song. Yeah, <laughs> beautifully written. But anyway, that's How why did this. How did die again? I forgot. I forgot. How did he die? Pesticide. Pesticide. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't really like the, I don't really like the song. No, much. it's not a very good song. In fact, but there is a good song in the album. I like the song better than the movie. I think. That's bullshit. You know it. It's close. Um, the, uh, tip of my tongue. This is the song on the album that also charted. This is the best song on the album. Uh, 
sucks, dude. I heard this song. I heard great. this uh, driving over here, and I didn't like it then. You didn't like that one? No. But they've like they've gone sort of Huey Lewis. Like here, so here's uh here's yeah, where they started. The, here, the, here's Space Baby. Here's where they started. Like it's like weird, sort of glam prog in the seventies. Mm. And then they go like Huey Lewis in the in the eighties. Well, Huey Lewis without any of the the fun songs. Yeah, I agree. They're not as fun as Huey Lewis or the. Or Huey. Or the interesting music or any of the great things that Huey Lewis did. It's like, it's like just like that. Like I mean, Tip of My Tongue is a good like song. That. It sounds more like The Time than Huey Lewis, but a lot of this album sounds like Huey Lewis in the news, but not as good. And you can see it from the record. There's like 50 people on this record. And, you know, when you see that, you can say, and some all right, well, this, drug is, addicts, so. this is someone who, like who? Jeff Picaro. Jeff wasn't on this album. Oh, I told no, you no, that. I said no. his brother oh, Steve, sorry, the sorry, keyboard sorry. player, was on sorry, here. Sorry, Jeff sorry, was probably sorry. dead. <laughs> I don't know. Too busy working on his lawn. <laughs> yes, he was. He was, couldn't, he couldn't. was weeding and pesticide. <laughs> he liked a very clean, very green right. lawn. Right. <laughs> Best drummer. Love that guy. Mm. I don't know why you celebrate his death. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, do. I just yeah. try to be accurate. Eh, do you? Oh, not, not when it comes to who directed Beverly Hills Cop 1. Right. Not accurate at all. Okay, so you're not a big fan of this uh, song. I'm not a big fan okay, of this song. Okay, no, the song, I, the song and, kind of stinks. And, and yeah. I think, I just think like it's kind of a weird career. I mean, they, they sort of, I watched some of their live, it's so weird. So I watched some live footage from, from this time period, from 1983. They had like a half hour concert on YouTube and their old songs um, with the live show are actually pretty compelling, like interesting to do. But then when they, but then they do get to this song and it's really cheesy and dumb. It sounds like two different bands. It's almost like, that's a bad example. I was going to say like Starship kind of having two different careers. Well, they're, they're well we talked about this show. A lot of people who were making interesting music in the seventies really struggle with that transition. I mean, even like McCartney, like, you know, eighties was just a different sound that a lot of, it seems like a lot of musicians really struggle with that. Yeah, they couldn't do it. I don't know why, um, but it sucks. I don't, I don't know what else to say besides this, but it's not very no, good. This song reminds, this is like, this song is like really bad classic, not really bad, isn't fair, but like cliche, lousy, classic rock from like the early 80s. Like yeah. if, you, if you had to pick one song to like, you know, demonstrate that, I'd pick this song. Yeah, I think that's a good example. Yeah. Like it's not terrible, but it's not good. It sounds very ordinary. And listen to how edgy this guy. So the the one of the the guy from the band who wrote us is, is uh, it's like Fee Waybill is his name. Fee is short for Fiji, I guess. Um this is what he was talking. They, they, these guys think like how edgy they are, how artistic you think they are. Fee is short for Fiji. It is. They said it in the really? Wikipedia. Yeah, for Fiji because the way I don't because he's laid back. I don't know why that Best was the thing his, about him is his name, Fee Waybill. That's a cool. Well, name. What about like Prince? What was his, what's the, his last name? Like Prince Popper or something? I can't remember that. Hmm. The other the drummer of the band has got a weird weird name too. Crazy that Prince is in this band. Not that Prince. Oh. Uh, so he he thinks he's so edgy. He's like he was talking about the um, what they were doing to the to the music video. They constantly censored us. We had a topless mermaid. Ooh, so edgy. And of course, that was right out. We had to change that and a bunch of stuff. It was just a little too weird for MTV. No, it wasn't too weird. It was fucking explicit. We had a great big paper breast, a big screen with an airbrushed breast on it. And the guy in the ride for She's a Beauty would go crashing through it, guy, kid. Um, well, that was too weird. And they had to kind of soft focus that whole thing so it looked like a big fuzzy ball. It's like, they're so fucking edgy. Think about how edgy they thought they were. They're Richard Marks. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't disagree at all. They they had a very strange sense of themselves. Um, I said the SNL thing is weird. Um, the fact that he's talking to this dancer and like saying, "Oh, you can dance to the tubes." Like this is a weird. 
I'm not saying entitlement isn't the right word, but a weird sense of awareness with these Particularly guys. Particularly because they, when they first came out to San Francisco, they didn't make it. Like they had to go back to to Phoenix and yeah, you like think play shows were, there. They were older when they hit it big. You think yeah, they, they would were. have a much better like, you know, feet on the ground. Like, all right, well, you know, we're kind of, you know, have a better understanding of kind was, of where they were. It's pretty clear. They're like, okay, we're 15 years in. You know, we need, uh, we need to sell some records here. Yeah. And it's, it's time to do it. So let's get David Foster in here. You know, the guy who's going to give us some Chicago sound and let's, let's make a pop record. Give him a That's booster seat and he can, he can make some music. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just put, him, put on some platform shoes and uh, he'll make us a record. Anything else with this one? Nope. Uh, headlines? So we're not doing a personal story. We talked about this before the show. You want to bring it we up did. again? We what, have to address what? it. I think you have to at least explain <laughs> Address it. Well, no, I just think I just, I, I we just not you know I was three years old, 1983, so it's hard. Like I don't like have a true like we. I feel like we've mined our childhoods. <laughs> to the point of like this is I, this is another reason why you know be like why are you not doing the show? I don't. Think another reason why you haven't given the first reason, but this is a reason why. Is that what you mean? <laughs> Wait, I, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, but like another reason is so I like I feel like we've kind of told all the stories to some extent, like. It's sometimes like, especially the stuff in the eighties. Like, I don't know, I don't have anything else to say about. Yeah, it's not a lot to say down there. I mean, you no, know, be, beyond like what you know, I don't have yeah. any. Mem- I don't have any memories. Yeah, we know you grew up in New York, dude. We get it. <laughs> but you do. I mean, do, do you have a lot of stuff? What do you, where's your personal stuff? No, I'm not. Three? I'm not giving you a hard time about it. I'm no. Just so we know. at some point, you're like, all right, I don't, I don't really, you know, kind of told all the stories I can tell to some extent. Yeah. The show. So that's that's one, that's one of the that's yeah, one of the I mean, big reasons. I you know I. I once we get past a bum fucking, fucking cardboard box, right, right. it's like, what yeah, else when, is there? Why don't you tell that story? It's like, ah, I don't know what else I got here. In my, in, you know, I'm arrows in my quill here. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I'm kind of, that's, I mean, that's, that's a big reason. It's a quiver, not that's a quill. A, I mean, the quill is the, the pencil, but oh, that's okay. Right. That's yeah, all right. It's a quiver. Yeah, you got this. I'm, I'm kind of messed huh? You can tell I'm a I'm mess, tired. too. We haven't done this in a long time. It's yeah. been like probably two months. I think it was end of January last time we did it. I don't know if I can blame Matt on. I, I feel, uh, I don't know, I'm tired. You've been so busy. I mean, going to a movie every day. Every day. I don't know if you know that. Every single day. <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, so I guess I kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of like, I don't know, You're tapped out a little bit. Oh, this personal story is a little bit. It gets harder. I agree. And then the, the movie conversations is like, all right, you know, we've covered what, like seven Tarantino movies. So yeah. Is there that much more to say about Quentin Tarantino that we haven't already said on the show? I don't know. We'll never find out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, what if like we so- run to another Martin Brest film? I mean, Jesus. I know. I don't remember even who did what anymore. So maybe, maybe, maybe we could go back. I, it would be new to me. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's, that's a big reason why for me, like it, the show became harder to do, like hard to mine new interesting things to say um, when I feel like, you know, we've done over 200 episodes. You feel like you kind of like said, I say it, said it all, but said a lot about these same, and we keep, you know, we're, you just keep running into the same people because you're always doing like a yeah, popular are, movie. Right? The same producers, the same, same directors, directors, same actors. And it's it's like, only, yeah. And we did the same with the music too. Like we keep running into the same, same music too. And it's just like, I don't know like what else, you know, I don't know what else we can, you know, talk about with some of these people. So I, I, I did, that kind of felt exhausting at times. So. Yeah, I get it. You're um, exhausted. That's why, that's and why you're very no, busy, so that's, that's why there's no personal story here, and that's why we don't do the show anymore. <laughs> that's a big reason why. It's <laughs> a big reason why. Okay. Well, now they know. <laughs> Matt says nothing. No, it's Matt, just like, Matt, what Matt's wanted no part of the personal story segment for, what, a couple oh, well, years yeah, now? Yeah, wow. Because it just it got to the point <laughs> where it's like, 10. eh. It's like, what's, it's like, eh. I figured, I mean, yeah, after like a hundred, whatever. I, I don't know how yeah. many I did, 75 of them, even a hundred of them. It's like kind of, yeah, 150 of them. It's like, what you else is there to say? You don't know anything about me, motherfuckers. Matt, Matt, Matt's going to wear me down so much, but like, by, you know, if we do this in, say, 10 years, it's just going to be the music segment. And it'll just, <laughs> and it'll just yes. be Toto songs and Bobby McFerrin. And, and you will be, like that'll them. That'll be quite by then, by then, you'll mature <laughs> enough of, as a musician aficionado that you'll like them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's, don't worry uh, yeah, yeah, I know people are, people are sad we don't do the show anymore. 
Are they? Maybe they're not. <laughs> no, some people are. If you listen to this, no. I guess you are. I mean, some, some people are probably very happy when I'm doing the show anymore. Um, no, no, people who like the show. If you like the show, if you're yeah. listening this far, and chances are you're sad. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe you're just like, I don't really care the way, but it's something to listen to when I drive to work. I don't know. Or in their house. Or in their house, or we have wherever, wherever they are. Choose, right, wherever they are. Should we talk about the headlines? Matt's like, I don't want any. No, uh, what do you want me to say? What do you mean? Do you have a personal story you want to talk about? The answer is no. I tried. You're just dancing around not having one for the last two minutes. I'm not dancing around. I think I was explaining. I think I was being fully pretty pretty head on. All I'm saying is I don't need to reiterate what you just said. Mm. I don't know if you have anything to add to it. I guess not. I don't think so. No, I think you're right with the the personal. There's a lot. if we don't do them, then what's, what else is the structure of the show? Is there, right, is there anything new with the structure of the show? Probably but Even not. the movies felt kind of tiring at times. Yeah, but I also, I think that's also just, I think there's a number of reasons for that, not just because, yeah, seeing a movie all the time. Well, and you're well, seeing a movie that, all the time. It's just too. like talking about, like having the same, you know, because we're going to have the same sort of conversation. You know, that's like, right. you know, the fifth time or seventh time we cover Tarantino. I think it's like, different if it's all new movies because then there's some maybe cultural ref- references around there where if, if we're going in the past, Right, we're seeing the same directors all the time. There's right. only so many fucking movies they do. Right, and we could talk like, you know, like the show, well, you would have already heard it, but like I did like top 10 Bruce Willis movies because he just retired. But like that wouldn't it come, wouldn't up come up our for show. Us. Right, we wouldn't so do like, that. So you know, we're constantly looking in the, the past. past. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're mining the same stories and the same storylines right. and the same, you know, I know a lot about SNL, right? Or whatever. And like, so I'm going to hit that a bunch of times. But eventually it's like, all right, I've told that. Like there's always so many things I know about. And the things that me, me and you maybe don't know about, and those are just completely ignored. I don't know. I, I just felt like at some point we kind of mind what we can do in this show. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are again. This is why anyway. we do shows every, every season now? Is it every, I don't know. Annually? What was this going to be? We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Right. You seem surprised when I said months as opposed to weeks. Oh, I just don't, I think it, I just think it's up in the air. I don't think I've, I've thought that far beyond yeah. uh, today. I think if we drop another one in the future, that would be good. I think it's fun yeah. to do. I like doing a show with you because it's right. fun. It's just, right. Yeah. Right. It's fun shooting the right. shit about now, movies. Now, now it's just, you know, just doing it for fun. As of before, like we were just, we were doing it as a business. Well, <laughs> we had the Patreon, we had the patrons and stuff. Oh, so. that's a good But point. now it's just like, yeah, well, we just put it out there. And, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we do a good job though. I don't want to do a bullshit job though. Yeah. You're going to bring your A game next time? Uh, in a few months from now? Yeah, maybe. I hope yeah, we'll so. Probably not. It's probably so. even worse. See my, I, I'm not see trying my to be like shitty. I, I, no, your memory's foggy and just a mess. I know. No. So we're talking about headlines. Sure. <laughs> you want me to go first? You want to go first? Oh, you go first. August 14th, Johnny Ramone, the guitar player for the Ramones, of course, gets into a fight because he sees his ex-girlfriend with this guy named uh, Seth Macklin, who's also a musician. And um, they fight, and Seth Macklin kicks his fucking skull in, oh and he has a brain surgery. August 14th. Wow. Yeah. That's what you found, huh? No, I got plenty more here. I just figured we'd go back and forth. I only know? got one, so. What? I wonder, actually, can, should I guess? Because I, I came across something that I thought you, you might want to talk yeah. about. Is it the Pine Tar game? It is not. Oh! Because that's oh, the 18th. Yeah, we have it this week? Okay. Yep. All right. No, it's not. Um, Ira Gershwin. Yeah. Dies at 86 from heart disease. I saw um, that. I passed over that one, by the way. Ira wrote the lyrics, um, for a lot of their great hits. Yep. And, uh, George wrote the music. Yep. And the sad thing was George died way back in 1937 of a brain tumor. Um, I so, I didn't you know, it was- and it's, people really remember George way more than Ira. They do. Um, you know, it's strange that it went that way because Ira, you know, lived almost, you know, 50 years longer than George. You'd That's think crazy. That Ira would be the one. And Ira still had... 
He was nominated for three Academy Awards. I right. believe all three, or at least two of them, were after George had George died. Dead. dead. Um, and, you know, Ira had a, certainly a good career and obviously a much longer life. You'd think that he would be the one to remember. But I, yeah. think, I think it's really the, the, the actual music in those songs. Yeah. You know, Rhapsody in Blue, there were no lyrics, you know. So I think a lot of those songs, you know, George was, I think, the more talented of, of the brothers. So it's probably right that he gets remembered longer. You just, it doesn't always work out that way. No, you wouldn't think, I didn't, I had, I did not know that they were that far apart in death. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, I'm glad you brought this up. Like, and, uh, you know, one day you'll be dead, right? And I'll live on much longer. And Doubtful. Uh, who will remember? I mean, the state of your liver, my friend. It's like cirrhosis city. I just had a CT scan to check, like, um, it's a calcium scan to check, like, the placking in my, um, in my veins and arteries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a predominantly meat diet. Right. And so my doctor's like, you're going to be fucking calcified in there, man. We're going to have to put you in blood thinners. Right. My CT uh, calcium score was zero. Wow. Zero placking, dude. I'm mm. going to fucking outlive you by probably decades, I would think. So what happens if you eat popcorn again? How's that go? Shut up. Yeah, all right. So what happens again? Popcorn. What would, what would popcorn do to you? Nothing. Yeah. You should have some. I'm not going to. Mm. You didn't bring me any, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> now you're be nice. <laughs> I, should, I should have actually been really funny. That would, yeah, that would have been. Yeah, no not, one would have laughed at that because it would be just you and me with popcorn in front I would of us. Have laughed. I, 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 Sam, I'm really behind today, huh? Yeah. The old Chris would have brought you some about, popcorn. Yeah. You're a softer Chris now. Yeah, nice guy. Now. Mostly softer in the head, I think. I probably right about that. I can't argue that. <laughs> so the second thing, um, August 16th, uh, Paul Simon and Carrie Fisher marry. So they have a 12-year relationship. He's 41. She's 26 when they meet. And it's, I mean, turbulent. Yeah, it's a mess. Turbulent. In fact, she, you probably know this, but she was, she was, um, she was, uh, she almost married Dan Aykroyd. Right. Right. When they were doing, uh, Blues Brothers. Right. Like that almost happened. She just, they, there was a ring and everything. And that just, they said they happen. even got blood tests. Blood tests. Oh, back what? then, you think you had to get, they had to get, oh my God, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess they were like all ready to go to get married. That was really fucked up when I, uh, so Barbara and I got, um, married in Florida. And because we were in Florida, we needed to, um, we needed to get a license in Florida. I'm sure you had to, you, did you get a license in, You've done it twice, so you probably have a better record, yeah, right? Old times were, uh, <laughs> so you had to get New Hampshire, sir. But you had to get light, like a marriage license. Isn't that fucked up? That you you get a get marriage a license? Marriage, like I got to get a license to marry? That's fucked up to think of that. When you have to be divorced, when you get married the second time, you have to bring your divorce papers. Oh, well. To, to prove that you are not getting married. Is, like, you that can't you have actually multiple wives. Divorced. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sister that was, wives. That was a wrinkle second time that I didn't have to do the first time. That's interesting. Yeah. Divorce decree. Um, but that was weird. I was like, I got to get a license? I mean- I can license my dog. You're like, what? Why would I license my wife? Poor well, you're wife. not licensing your wife. You're, licensing, you're just getting it's it's proving bullshit. That, it's proving that you two are married. I mean, she you was need, but you need that. that. But you need a marriage license for a lot of stuff. Though. I know it's really weird. So to prove, you have to prove you're married. I guess. I mean, it's a contract. Can't we just like get a fucking legal contract? But to actually apply for license is fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, the government so, holding you back again. Matt. So they took blood tests just to make sure they weren't cousins. I think back. Uh, no, I don't think that's it. I think I think it might have to do with being having clean bloods. So you don't have. STDs or something. I, I don't know what, but I think back in, back in the day, you had to get a blood test to get, before you got married. I, think I didn't that know that. Yeah, I think so. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's like the 70s, Oh, because it wouldn't have been genetic. They wouldn't have had genetic testing then. No, so it must've been, ST, it must've yeah, been STDs. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was to make sure you were. That's fucked yeah. up. Um, so, I mean, 15 years different, but uh, in age. Um, but no, but, they were all, I mean, the whole album, you know, the song Graceland is about their divorce. I know. And then Hearts and Bones is about uh, is about their his love affair with her. You take two one of my favorites. Them into one. Their hearts and their bones. Do you know this one? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I love this song so much. 
beautiful song. Not a great album, though. No, but this is a this is a all timer for him. Yeah, it's a great song. Um. Anyway, so so you only have you only had that one, huh? I thought we were just gonna bring one. That's, that's what we well, said. we said news stories. We didn't say one news story. I mean, oh, that, yeah, you said. I mean, we both we knew that we weren't gonna do a personal story, so I figured you'd like fucking <laughs> I, come strong I with this bullshit. I wasn't as aware as you were. Oh. How much do you know about the pine tar game? A little bit. You want to talk about it? No. Or do you no, want you me can, to talk? Yeah, okay. You I mean. You, you, why don't you say what you say and I can maybe fill in some gas. Yeah, you might, you might have some gas. Okay, so the Pine Tar game was August 18th. So in this is a baseball game. And in it, um, it's uh, between the Royals and the Yankees. It's the, uh, what is it? It's top of the ninth. Top of the ninth, George Brett hits a, uh, a home run. Um, to to get the Royals the lead. A 5-4 lead. Yep. And, um, and what happens is the, um, is the top, yeah, it's the top. The who's the who's the Billy the, Martin was Billy Martin was the manager at the yeah. time. Says George Brett has got pine tar, too much pine tar on his bat, and the umps look at it and say, "Yep, he does." And they take back his home run. Well, they call him out. They call him out. Right? And they take back his home run. And call him out. Famous moment where he bolts out of the dugout like yes. a madman. Yes. He looks like he's going to rip the umpire's head off. It's yes. A great moment. If you've never seen that film, check it out. George Brett pine tar, and he just explodes out of the dugout. Uh, completely enraged. It's a wild. It's a wild video. And because it's the uh, because the Yankees had the lead, that was the third out. Um, Yankees win the game. So we go from a situation where it's not a walk off, but but a home run that like a very dramatic mo- moment where George Brett hits a home run, puts them ahead five four to the game being over and them losing the game. So of course they protest the game. And who who's Lee McPhail at the time? Is he like the president? He's the American of League president. Okay, he's the American League Back president. Back then they had presidents of American League and National League. Upholds the Royals. Um, protest. Yes. And they have to play the game from the George Brett home run. Right. So as if the, the George Brett, so this happens like 25 days later or something, mm-hmm. and the Royals end up winning the game. Right. And uh, it goes as a win for the Royals. Crazy game. By the way, it doesn't matter. Uh, neither the Yankees nor the Royals make the playoffs that year. Uh, um, but uh, it, is, it is interesting, though, for sure. I mean, the Yankees were, um, Yankees and Royals both were, and the reason was uh, McPhail was like, this is not the spirit of the, 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 it was, we didn't want discoloration on the baseball because if you, if you have a bunch of pine tar on the baseball, you can't see it as well. And then we got to swap out the baseball, it costs more money, whatever. Oh, that was, was, that it was, was his definitely reasoning. like, it was a really kind of shitty move by Martin to do that. Yeah, but really gamesmanship there. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, every, I think a lot of players back then had pine tar. Like it was pretty, oh, yeah, like to yeah, call yeah, that yeah. out is, is very, that's bullshit. You know. It's like calling out a shoe for having shoelaces. It's like, all right, they all, they all have shoelaces. Right, you know, right, like, right. what are we doing here? But brilliant. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it won cheap. them the game. But it didn't. They ended up losing the game. I know. Um, so, and it created kind of a typical Billy Martin, though. It created this whole sideshow that maybe wasn't necessary. That's true, too. And, you know, Billy Martin, if you go through his career, it's a wild career. He won every place he went. Um, he managed the Rangers when they were a dismal team. They, 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 yes. won, they just missed the playoffs. They won over 90 games. He managed the A's. He managed them uh, when they were a broke team, and he managed them all the way to the LCS in 1981. Right. He, of course, managed the Yankees five times. He uh, won a World Series with the Yankees as manager. Um, Billy Martin's career, uh, he managed the Twins to the playoffs um, as well in the late 60s. Uh, but he flamed out everywhere he went. He was everywhere. gone in like two, three years, every single place he went. Right. Because um, he was just exhausting. He would just do shit like this, and he was just incredibly hard to deal with. Um he would get into fights in bars. Yes, he would. Um, he fought fans. He fought reporters. He fought anyone who would dare look. And he's a tiny guy, and he just was just out of control all the time. And then, you know, he died in a drunk driving accident. Yeah. Uh, it was Christmas Day in 1990, I believe, or 89. He was, um, he wasn't driving. He was the passenger, supposedly the passenger. There is some rumors that he died, and then the, because the, there was a two, two people in the car, right. himself and 
in theory, the driver. And there's rumors that if Martin was driving the guy to save Martin's reputation, put, took him out of the driver's seat and put him in the passenger seat, that's been disputed. And I don't think Martin was driving. It doesn't sound like he was, but people do claim that he, he may have been. And with his wild that would history. Make sense. Why, why would you put yourself in harm's way if you're the, if you're the alive person in that? You, you wouldn't do that. I mean, things happen pretty quick in those situations too. But, you know, Martin's just, his whole life was just this wild, just fireball of energy. Yeah. And he, and, but that fireball burns out pretty quick. It does. Um, and, you know, it's amazing he, you have the energy to keep going, though, from place to place to place, like start over and still have that energy. Really it's crazy. Is. It's wild he did. Um, yeah. and, and to alienate these people so fast. And, yeah. and you know, he, in the, with the A situation, he burned these pitchers out. Um, he right. Just, he had this pitching staff, and he would just, they would pitch complete games every time. And I said, it, it almost got him to the World Series. It probably was the right tactical move, especially in the short term. And you understand, like, your manager, your, the job is to win that day, right? Oh, You're not looking long term. Yeah. But, the same token, you kind of have to, to some extent. You have to have that on the back of your mind a little bit because, like, what you do today affects tomorrow. That's right. And you need a good partnership with the GM who can, you know, push back on you. You do, bit. but like, you still have to make decisions. Like, like this is what Bill Martin never understood. He never learned it, and he died. Like, what you do today can affect tomorrow. Like, just because it's like might be the right thing in this very moment doesn't mean it's the right decision. It's the wrong incentive structure, though. He's not looking at the long term because he knows he needs to win to keep his job. He can't, he can't think past that. But you, you have to think past, think past it a little bit. You can't you do, be you're all right. in one camp. I agree. Else, you know, you burn out. And, you know, Billy Martin, yeah, he's a, a really talented manager, and he won everywhere he went, but he never, he didn't win the World Series that often. He won in 77, um, um, and then in 78, they won the World Series, but he got fired halfway through. They replaced right. him with Bob Lemon, and that's, that's right. when they caught the Red Sox. Right. Um, in 80, they went back to the World Series, but he wasn't the manager. Um, he went to one... I think he managed in 76 as well. So he went to two World Series, won one, lost one. And that's pretty good. And he obviously had a very good, if you look at the regular season, his winning percentage is very strong. But he couldn't stay in a job for more than a couple of years. Yeah. And he only made it to two World Series. But how and long was he, with, was, he, was he with the Yankees, though? He was five different times. Right. Uh, if you add them all up, I mean, some of the times were incredibly short. Yeah. Um, very rarely did he manage a full season. It's crazy that they kept going back. After 77. Was it Steinbrenner the entire time? Yeah. It's crazy they kept going back. He just couldn't quit Billy Martin. They couldn't quit each other. Yeah. Martin was, I mean, Steinberg was the same way. Steinberg was always looking at today. I mean, that's why he traded away so many prospects, yeah. Jay Buhner and, and other guys, um, because he just wanted to win right now. He couldn't look past tomorrow. So they both had the same philosophy on things, but they both would tire of each other so quickly. Yeah. Um, they were the worst, there was the worst pairing. It's a bad pairing, the but hard, like, hard to argue with Steinbrenner though, because of the, I mean, they just had an epic run through the nineties. But he wasn't involved 2000s. with that. That happened because he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, George Steinbrenner was suspended from baseball yeah. uh, for it was supposed to be a lifetime suspension. It was only a couple of years. He had a private investigator follow Dave Winfield around right. to prove that he was injured. Right. Um, and be, because of that, he was suspended from baseball for, uh, you know, I said, uh, it's supposed to be a lifetime ban, but it was only being two years, but for those two years, Yankees had no ownership, right? Yeah. And that's when they allowed, that's when they went and got Jeter, Mariano, um, who am I forgetting here? Jorge Posada. Like, go through that like list of those guys right. they had. And uh, that helped them win those titles. And they kept those prospects because no one was around to tell them to trade them for some washed up veteran. Right. Um, C. Balboni or some shit. Like they actually kept the young guys intact. And then when Sam Runner came back, they had, they had a manager for a couple of years in Buck Walter. They had a system that was working. And yeah. Steinbrenner at that point was still kind of on the ice. So he stayed out of the way a little bit. And by the time the old Steinbrenner came back, they were winning titles and he, he couldn't argue. Yeah. And they found, they found a manager that could put up with him. They found a manager that could look past today. George Torrey. Torrey, of course. Was a, uh, the opposite of Billy Martin. Mild, oh, mild-mannered. Yes. Got along with Calm, everybody. Even killed, yes. Could, absolutely. Could 
make strategic decisions strategic decisions to affect tomorrow, not just today. Yeah. It was the opposite. It was the anti-Martin. And a that better was the better marriage. Right, of course. Um, that makes sense. How know, long was Tory there too? Was he there a decade? Oh, right. So he was there from 96 until, well, yeah, like right. Uh, until yeah. Girardi took over. So yeah, right. 2000, I think over 10 years, right? Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, something like that. Um, they, they wrote a book. Uh, Tory wrote a book. It's actually pretty good, uh, especially for a sports biography. And he does, he talks about just the Yankee year. I think it's called the Yankee years. It's, it's very interesting. It's very yeah. good. It's not a boring sports bio. It's, it's actually pretty good. Um, but even, but even in the end of that book, there's like times where he's getting like annoyed with Steinbrenner. Yeah. Like, it's just like, ah, just wear, that shit wears thin, man. Yeah. Like someone's on you to win every single day. It's like, that's not how baseball works. This right. isn't football. Right. Um, you know, you wonder if someone like Billy Martin's mentality, he probably would have been a really great football. Yeah. Co- because, coach. Right. Exactly. Cause or every game matters so much. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You needed a shorter season. Yeah, major league baseball might not have been the best. No, um, but the pine tar game is, is a wild, wild visual. Uh, uh, it's kind of you know it's it's you know it's a long time ago in the past now, but people talked about it when we were kids. We had a pine tar game all the yeah. time, and that clip of Brett exploding out of the dugout was something you saw on every sports highlight film for like Christ, 10, 15 years. Does he have his helmet on at that time and throw it off? I feel like something like that happens because he he's just like completely I he's exasperated. I, can see, yeah. I see he's like the drink yes. tobacco, yeah. a mouthful of it. Yeah. He is just like, his hair is blowing. Yeah. You know, he's just like running full speed at the umpires. He's just, like I say, he always say he wants to rip their head off. Yes. Um, George Brett, by the way, like, someone that people I know talk about a great player and he's the best player in world's history and, and that's no argument, but like, he was a great player. He like, was. People don't, I don't appreciate how great George Brett he's was. A, he's in Kansas City. I think that's part of it. But, I mean, yeah. they were good though. I mean, they went to- They a, were. I mean, he yeah, won, but still he small won market. one World Series. He lost. He won one and lost one. Um, but people don't really care about the Royal. Like they don't. They don't know it. the national. Like national, they're not going to talk about it. I guess it's kind of a shame. I mean, it is a shame. But you know, but I mean, the seventies. They went to three straight LCSs in the seventies. They lost the Yankees every time uh, in the seventy six or seventy eight. I think they went to the LCS every time. They won. They won. The, they went to the World Series in uh, eighty. Yeah, eighty one. So the Yankees beat them. Uh, to get to the World Series. And then 84, they, um, I'm sorry, 84, they go to the playoffs. And 85, they win the World Series. Right. Like, you think that would be enough to make, but it's not. But then they, no, they kind of fell apart after that. And then that was it. No, if you're not in LA, New York, Boston, then na- nationally, no one's going to really notice. I feel like, well, I look at Cal Ripken Jr. Like, honestly, like, I guess yeah, it, but that's a, that is an amazing streak. 4,000 something games. Uh, yeah, or whatever. That's an amazing streak. streak, streak. Is the reason right. why. I mean, like, if I had to pick one, if I was starting a team tomorrow and I could have one player, Ripken or Brett, I'd probably take Ripken because he's a shortstop. Yeah. But Brett's the better player. Brett's okay. a better hitter than, than Ripken ever was. Yeah. And Brett almost batted 400 one year. Like, Brett was a great hitter. Right. Um, but Ripken could play short. Because look at Trout. Trout is, bi- Trout, Trout is an amazing player. He's buried in the angel. He's, if he were in New York. But, but the difference is Mike Trout never won. Like that's, Matt that's true. one playoff. Like that's Brett true. went to two World Series. That's true. And Brett was in his time, like in that snap, like when this Pine Star game happened, yeah. Brett was actually a marquee, like one of the top five players and like known guys in baseball. But like now, I think, and maybe you're right, maybe because this Kansas City and like New York and Boston kind of took over the zeitgeist and, and time just moves on. I get all that. But like George Brett's kind of forgotten about. It. Yeah. And like Mike Schmidt, I feel like people remember Schmidt more than Brett. I don't know. And that they might be a good. They might be a good comp. Comp. Well, they were great. Comp. I mean, they were same yeah. error. Both right. were basemen. Um, Schmidt was probably a better player, but not by much. Not by much. It's really close. Yeah. And I said I'd rather. Okay, well, here's a good example. I'd, rather, I'd much rather have George Brett than Wade Boggs. Oh, totally. But Wade Boggs is more known. He and is. I think, and Boston, obviously we're in New England, Boston, but I feel like nationally. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's that Boston halo effect. It is. Yeah. 
I bet more people on the street, more like 25-year-old guys, know who Wade Boggs is because of the drinking escapades oh, and everything course, else yeah. than they know who George Brett was. Yeah, I mean, it's horse. kind of a shame. Yeah. George Brett's the better player. And, and Boggs was a great hitter. I mean, Boggs was shaky at their base until the end of his, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But George yeah. Brett was a better player. He was. I agree. Right, yeah, well, there you go. Pine tar game. A little baseball talk at the end of Cornwall. Why not? Just wrap it up with some baseball talk. Sure. Um, anything else before we uh, call it good? Uh, what is it, March? April? What are we in April? So maybe we'll talk to these folks again in late summer? Yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you later. Bye-bye.